If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs, a family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curves from mile high, the best part of the weekend. Hugging the perfect stranger as they become a friend. Having a good time when the orange and blue WIN. Tuning in every day with the good folks down at Welcome, welcome, welcome into the BSN Broncos podcast on this magnificent Monday. Zach Stevens rolling with you guys with Henry Chisholm for the week. Ryan is on a beach. Somewhere on a beach in Mexico. Hopefully drinking a margarita. Hopefully eating lots of chips. I mean, we're, queso. we're recording this at 10 in the morning, so maybe he hasn't gotten to the margaritas yet, but who and blame it's him? probably one hour earlier there. So yeah. I'm saying I'm going opposite. Yeah. I'm saying I, I, I hope he's a few deep right now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, I guess. Enjoying those carbs this week. And we will, of course, be rolling with you all week. So pumped to be rolling with you, Henry. Uh, off season. So we get to we get to talk about anything. But before we talk about anything and everything. Of course, the BSM Broncos podcast is presented by Elixinol. Don't take our word. Take Elixinol or take Broncos quarterback Jake Plummer's word on it. Plummer is a huge fan of Elixinol's hemp balm, a topical pain reliever that is not that is just one of Elixinol's many great non-THC products. What's more, 5% of your purchase goes to a non-profit of your choice. Visit elixinol.com to get yours today. So Henry, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be back on here. You excited to be stuck with me for this week? I think I am. I think I am. We'll see. Like this is our first ever podcast together. It is. Together, so it, is. it could go. You know, you never we'll, really know. We'll see if it burns in flames or if the people are saying, "Don't bring RK back." Oh, uh, I think that's our goal, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a lock. And speaking of this week, a little programming note. I don't know if it's fantastic planning or awful planning, but. None of the BSM Broncos people, me, Henry, Ryan, or Andre, will be in office on Friday. But don't worry, 
We're here for you guys. We're going to make sure we get a Friday pod out. We're just going to record it earlier in the week. So if you guys have any questions, anything you want us to talk about, if you guys have any big questions, maybe it's a whole segment, this is your week. So make sure you get all those questions in earlier this week so we can get to all of them before the weekend. Perfect. And Henry... There was a little bit of news coming out this weekend. Oh, was there? There was a tiny bit, and I want to get your take on how big of news this is. Jake Butt, over the weekend, said that he'll be ready for a full go at the very start of training camp. Now, let me just give you a little bit of background to what Jake Butt has been doing. So he tore his ACL, what, September, beginning of October last year? The third time, of course, not not the, the same ACL tear three times, but three different ACL tears throughout his career uh, in, in the professional level and at college. And this offseason, he's been doing a lot of work on the side, uh, been running seemingly full speed, has, has been having the brace on, taking it off, putting it on when he does some other drills. We've seen him do some cutting drills. We've seen him do some blocking drills. But all of that has been to the side. It's just been with the trainer. He has not been on the field. He has not been with Joe Flacco when there's 11 guys on the field. So what do you think? Is this big news? Are we excited? Or is it wait and see? Maybe this is a little bit cynical, but uh, I don't know. He's, we've, we've been hearing for a couple of years about how he was the guy who could have gone in the second round, mm-hmm. but he gets injured, mm-hmm. falls to the fifth, and everybody's excited because he's the steal of the draft. Yep. But then nothing really happens. He gets hurt. We kind of forget about him. Then he gets hurt again. And honestly, now when I hear that he's healthy and he's going to be competing in all of training camp, I just think, wow, the Broncos have the longest training camp they've had in years. That's just more time for him to get hurt. It's like RK never left. Just the negativity <laughs> that, that's brought. No, but but I uh, I think that's realistic, Henry. Yeah. And, and I think you're spot on with that. And I think it's a great point bringing up the longer training camp. And here's the thing. He may feel full go and like he can be full go, but the coaching staff, I can almost guarantee it, they're going to ease him back in. So day one comes around, and I'm going to say, Jake Butt's not full go. Well, maybe he can be full go, but they're not going to let him. And I think we'd both agree from what you said. That's a smart thing. But there was even questions just the last time we saw him on the field. Is he going to be on the the PUP? Now, he can't practice if he does that, so probably not that. Are they going to potentially stash him on IR once the season comes? Do, do, Do these comments make you seem, okay, he's not going on the IR? Are you still thinking maybe he could do that? I, I think he's past that. I think by putting him on the IR, the Broncos are just delaying seeing him actually p- play even longer. And at some point, you just have to put him on the field and see what you have. And that, that honestly, that point may have come and gone with Jake Butt. He's already missed two seasons. Now, now you can throw him out there, I guess. See what he can do. There's really, I mean, there's there's a different sort of pressure now. When he first came in, the pressure was to be the guy, like to to be somebody who could be the safety net for the young quarterbacks. Then they get Case Keenum, and he's supposed to be like an extra threat from inside. Now they need him to be a role player. No offense, the guy. Jeff Hireman is probably ahead of him on the death chart. Troy Fumagalli is a great athlete. At this point, the pressure isn't to come in and contribute. He needs to be out there fighting for a roster spot. And that's why I don't think you can stash him. I agree with you to an extent. I agree that he he lost being the guy for two mm-hmm. years now. And 
and I'm not saying that in a negative way toward Jake at all. It's terrible what, what he's had to go through, and he's rehabbed exceptionally well. But I think maybe this is even more so of a time to just stash him again. And as crazy as that seems, now you don't do it now, and the Broncos aren't doing that now, especially if he's out there on day one of training camp. Then then he'll go through training camp practice as much or as little as the team wants him to. But then I say, if you have any concerns about him, or let's just say there's a little flare-up, stash him on IR. What's it, what's it cost you? It doesn't cost you a second-round uh, salary. It costs you a fifth-round salary, I think at like $780,000 this year. That would go against your cap with him being on IR. But I say, you've already invested, what, a million and a half uh, on him already? Don't just completely blow that. Maybe just let him have a full year to fully, fully recover. And history may say, well, that's silly. I mean, the Broncos did that his rookie year. He had a full year plus, almost two years to recover, and it still didn't help him. But I say, why not? What? Why not? What are you going to do with that $780,000? Yes, it can roll into next year, but... John Elway's given away what four times of that, yeah. just giving yeah. that to Chris Harris. So I say, if there's any setbacks or concerns, just stash him away because of what it could mean. Noah Fant is the guy. J- just like you said, right now, I have just like you, Jeff Hireman's ahead of him on the depth chart. Um, but Noah Fant's the guy. Troy Fumagalli? Looking pretty solid. Uh, Shown some flashes. Jeff Hireman, he's Jeff Hireman. We know what that he is. He can do his job. But, boy, could you imagine having two Noah fans in, in two years, in three years, in four years? What that could mean? I think my thing is that next year will be his last year on this rookie contract. Yep. And so you get him cheap for the four years, but by holding him out another year, you're really only getting one year of production out of that four-year contract you gave him. And then all of a sudden, if he blows up and plays well, he's out the door. Because there's no way they're going to pay a tight end to come back and back up Noah Fant. You honestly hope that he's coming back next year, playing at like a B-minus-B level, so that he can be a good number two threat, but still affordable. And I think that if you really think that he's the guy, you should probably give him two years to be the guy with Noah Fant before you probably have to let him go. Would you pay... Two tight ends. Would you have the Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski formula? Ah, uh, see, see, that's the combination that jumps into your mind, because with Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, the Patriots were just unstoppable. Yeah, like those are two just matchup nightmares. Yep, both of them individually as number one tight ends are obvious matchup nightmares. Mm-hmm. But then you put a, your number two tight end, who's still one of the best tight ends in the league, up against the other team's second best tight end coverage. It's just unstoppable. It's a cheat code. Mm-hmm. But I think it has to depend on the offense, right? Like, who is Drew Locke? Is Drew Locke a guy that's going to be trying to throw, like, to the receivers? Is he trying to get them downfield? Is he trying to throw those out routes? Do they want to run, like, three receiver sets? Or, like, can you imagine that Kubiak offense from the last couple of years where it's, they could run two tight ends out there, yep. put the quarterback under center, run play actions, let those guys find space? Then it could work. I think it depends a lot on the personnel. And obviously, when in New England, you have a guy like Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, all three of them together, they find a way to make whatever they have work. And I'm just not sure 
how two tight ends fits with what Rich Gangarello wants to do. I could see it working really well. And the truth is, if they're they're paying Emmanuel Sanders this year, they might not be paying him next year. Their next three receivers, is Tim Patrick still on a rookie deal? He is, yep. So, so then they, their top three receivers are on rookie deals. Mm-hmm. It makes it a lot easier to justify paying your two tight ends because the truth is all your receiving threats really, really still won't be that expensive at that point. Right, and what John has to ask himself is, are we definitely win right now with the Joe Flacco route and then give Joe Flacco two potentially dangerous and scary and devastating tight end weapons because come on we we're, we're unsure exactly what Drew Locke likes we know Joe Flacco feasts off off one decent tight end what if he has two great tight ends what's the offense going to look like or does John say we're in it for the future let's make sure that that we have a healthy Jake but it, it, it's interesting how we're still trying to see where exactly John thinks this team is. Yeah, and we know that Joe Flacco loves his tight ends. Everybody always talks about that, but it's worth remembering that young quarterbacks also rely on their tight ends pretty heavily. And so by keeping the two tight ends to let Drew Locke ease his way into the NFL, that could be really beneficial for him. But I do think that we've kind of spiraled a little bit here by just assuming that Jake Butt's going to be a great tight end there's a chance that he goes out there and just does nothing. And, that, and that's not even considering the fact that he could just get hurt and never even get a chance. So you think there's a chance of that? And because the way I think of Jake is kind of what you said. We are assuming this. And I assume that if he's out there, if he's full go, and, and I want to I wanna preface this by saying when he's full go. Let, let's say he's full go in training camp. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily talking about week one necessarily because this is essentially like his rookie year. He played a few games last year, but this is his full, will be his full first season if he's able to make it through. So I'm talking week eight, nine, and ten. I am comfortable saying that that, that he would be that he would be B minus. Not yeah. not 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 a full blown star. But I don't I mean, I don't think you're crazy. For saying that Jake Butt maybe is a fifth round pick. He could bust. He could easily bust. I mean, you see second round picks who bust, and we're just assuming that once this guy gets healthy and he hasn't really played football in a few years, that he can come in and be an impact player. But maybe if if we're looking at this season like his rookie season, if he actually plays, maybe it is best just to hold off and say, yeah, sit on IR one more year. Last year of his rookie contract, let him go out there, learn a couple lessons contribute when he can contribute and maybe get a steal on a second contract for him right and then you give that second contract to him week 10 of next year give him the give him the big signing bonus the flashy money the couple million dollars because at that point let's say you do stash him this year he's probably thinking i've only played 13 games in the nfl and i have an opportunity to 100% be financially set for the rest of my life. And Jake Butt is a guy that is smart, and you give him, let's say, $8 million over three years, he's going to be safe with that money. And that's then he could say, should I really risk these next six weeks? No, I don't think Jake Butt's a guy that plays scared, but come on, that that's that's hard to pass up to be financially set for the rest of your life. And then 
what, you, you would still have two more years with Noah Fant on a true rookie deal than a fifth-year option? So by the time you need to pay Noah Fant, then you have all the money in the world. That, regardless, I mean, two, three, four million dollars for Jake Butt wouldn't be much. Heck, yeah. You're giving that to Jeff Hireman this year, $4 million. So it's intriguing. Yeah, and the psychology on Jake Butt's end would be really interesting too. Mm-hmm. Because for him, I usually when you see a guy who feels like he's underperforming or isn't playing up to his capabilities in a contract year, they want a short deal. They want one or two years to prove themselves, kind of like right. Bradley Roby. And for him, that's kind of the situation. He wouldn't be underperforming in like a just playing disappointingly right uh way it'd be more that he just hasn't seen the field and for him he just needs a year of reps before he can get get up to speed the way he should be but when you've had that many injuries Mm -hmm. maybe the security is worth it to him right maybe he will be willing to say like yeah i think that i could play one more season instead of make two three million dollars a year i can make five six million dollars a year right but if I blow out an ACL, that's that's it for me. And so I'll take the three years at half the pay just to stay in the league. Is it it for him? I mean, what one more injury, one more major injury like this? If if I'm the Broncos, I don't know how you can justify it. I mean, I mean, what it would take is for the other tight ends to just flop, because if Troy Fumagalli comes in and looks like he can be a serviceable two three, kind of like Jeff Hireman has, mm-hmm. just he can fill a role. He can support Noah Fant. You don't really want him to be your number one guy, but they can do something. Then all of a sudden, you're pretty comfortable with those three tight ends. If Hireman or Fumagalli really busts, and the Broncos are trying to fill that number two or number three spot, and they're thinking maybe we need to draft another guy, maybe we need to sign a guy, then I could see him bringing. Then I could see them bringing Jake Butt back just because he's a guy who could fill one of those roles, and they're willing to take the risk. One more injury. And, and it, it's done because it's then tough. that that would be four major injuries, yeah. and the first one, uh, what, what, or the, I guess technically the third one, the first one was the first one that he had with the Broncos. So the Broncos are saying, okay, j- just one injury. Remember, this is a guy that we got in the fifth round that could have been a top forty pick potentially. This is okay. We'll work through this with him. If there's another one, then you're saying, okay, that's two that he's had with us. That's four. In his career, Jake, we clearly love you, but we we can't count on you even for a fifth round pick. So I, I think I do think that one more, and and it, and it would be done. And then that's why maybe Jake, who this weekend really wants to get out there, has done everything right, is saying he wants to be out there. Maybe he should slow it down a little bit and say. Okay, and and he believes he's a hundred percent or will be a hundred percent when he's full go. But maybe he should say, "Boy, if anything feels weird, let me slow it down." Yeah, well, and that was going to be my next question: is if you're Jake Butt, what are you hoping for? Jake is such a competitor, and this has killed him to be out. It killed him being on crutches, not being able to just walk and run. And he was so excited for every progression. And not just getting back on the football field, but getting closer. I think, I mean, he, he he's a Michigan guy. He's played at the highest level in college. I don't think he's going to be able to hold back. And, and I think he realizes he's smart, like we've talked about. And he understands this is, you know, not for long business. And the Broncos have stuck with him past that not for long t- timetable that people typically get. So I think he... 
I think he would push it if it comes to that. Yeah, I agree. I, and I think that the Broncos sticking with him for so long means that they really think they have something there. Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of hype, just just like there's a lot of hype for Josie Jewell. And you, he's like a fourth-round guy. Yes. And you usually don't project fourth-round guys to become starters, but there was just this assumption that he's going to be a guy who's going to step in and be the number two inside linebacker in the Broncos' 3-4 defense. And I don't know where that assumption comes from, but Jake Butt was kind of that same way, where it's like, yeah, he's a fifth-round pick, but he's a guy who's going to come in and contribute. And the way the Broncos have held on to him through all the injuries and given him, like, their time the training staff's time all that kind of stuff it means that they do think that there is something special that they can get out of him exactly and more than what he's produced so far which is three games starter for all three of those games last year of course eight receptions 85 yards that's it that that that's what you're looking at right now again i'm not down on those numbers at all, you know, under three catches, under 30 yards per game. That was his essentially his rookie season for the first time out on a field where he can truly get hit. But let's say he does play this year, all 16 games, in whatever role you want to assume. What are we expecting from Jake this year? I think it's tough to project him because he isn't a number one guy. Right. So, So when you talk about what would the Broncos need to get out of, like, Emmanuel Sanders or Cortland Sutton or Noah Fant, then it's easy to think about because you know that he's going to be getting the majority of the targets. For Jake Butt, he might be relying on a guy like Noah Fant to miss a couple games to get up to the numbers, or Jeff Hireman to miss a couple games. I think I think what I'd like to see from Jake Butt, though, assuming everybody stays healthy and the, the depth chart kind of sticks to the way it's supposed to be, is maybe maybe he puts up like 35, 40 catches, and he's splitting the number two job with Jeff Hireman and Troy Fumagalli might not even be on the on the roster in that situation. Um, yeah, in the, somewhere in that 25, uh, 25, 30, maybe 35 catches would be my guess. Puts up 300, maybe 400 yards. Uh, picks up some key first downs because that's the type of guy that he's supposed to be, like the smart guy who can find holes in the zone and sit down in them and give Joe Flacco an outlet. And then maybe two touchdowns, three touchdowns. I think if he's on the field, it's going to be on the higher end of all of those numbers. I kind of like 35, 40 receptions, which would doesn't doesn't sound great, especially when we talk about the numbers that DT and Emmanuel put up when Peyton was here. It, those don't sound sexy, but that would be very good. If you look at Hunter Henry, what he did his rookie season, very close to that, I think just over 40 catches. Hunter Henry had 400 yards. He was He was the guy then, and everyone was loving his potential. And I think Jake Butts realistic ceiling with not projecting injuries on any other guy on this team. I think 350, 400 yards. I I like how you put that out there. And there's these other guys. We've really focused on Jake Butt. But I want to know about this tight end position in general. So, Henry, I want to know, are the Broncos stacked at the tight end position? And I want to know on the other side. The Greg Mastriona Golf Courses at Highland Hills offer something for everyone. With a championship 18-hole golf course, the regulation 9-hole blue course, and two par threes, golfers of all skill levels will find exactly what they're looking for. There's a lot of opportunities for families to enjoy the game of golf together here. as We do have multiple courses, all different skill levels, so it's a great place to teach and develop. 
really a good way for families to, you know, grow their skills and enjoy the game together. That was Alan Brown. He's the director of golf over at Highland Hills. If you're busy at work all day, don't worry. At Highland Hills, it's never too late to start a round of golf. Well, Highland Hills has a fantastic pay-for-what-you-play program. It is designed for the player to play after 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the evening. And you check in. You play as many holes as you can until dark, and then you come to the pro shop, and we give you a rain check for any holes you don't finish. We also do a really fun event, Glow Golf, on our Par 3 golf course. One time a month, $25, no cart, but we give you glow balls. It's a fantastic way to have some fun with friends and get out and enjoy the nighttime and the summertime here in Colorado. To learn more and book a tee time, head over to GolfHighlandHills.com today or call them at 303-428-6526. Welcome back to the BSN Broncos podcast. Henry and Zach rolling with you guys today. And Henry dove in pretty much all we can talk about Jake Butt and so I want to expand it and find out the craziest question I cannot I can't believe we're asking this question but Henry are the Broncos stacked at the tight end position no (laughs) no no, they aren't they really aren't um they have Noah Fant and if everything goes well this year then what he's a top top 15 top 15 tight end top 10 tight end if things go really well this year if things go well yeah top 10 top 10 okay they have jeff hireman who uh we well we don't need to put him top anywhere because those numbers might get pretty tough to get into because they're so big but um in terms of backup tight ends like i I think he's a guy who i'm comfortable with as a backup tight end jeff hireman yeah as your two yeah yep i agree that means that better be a $4 million. <laughs> $4 million. Better, better be a solid number two. Yeah, and I think that he can go in, block. He can catch a couple passes when they need him to. But he's not going to do anything too flashy or special. or He's not going to change games for you. That's what you're hoping a guy like Troy Fumagalli or Jake Butt, who we've been talking a lot about, can do. But those guys are just based on potential. And if one of them breaks out, then sure. like Maybe this is one of the best tight end groups in the NFL. And if that's the case, then the Broncos are set because they're two top guys in a situation where they're one of the best tight end groups in the NFL are both going to be under 25 probably, I yep. think. And, and that'd be a great spot to be. I just think that it's not all that likely that one of those two breaks out. So right now, the leading career receiver amongst this tight end group is, of course, Jeff Hireman. He has 564 career receiving yards. That's that's not stacked. That's really not stacked. That it's not stacked. Last year, fourteen tight ends had that much. Just last Ooh. year, fourteen Ooh. different tight ends. So I mean, it is fair when you say is a good year from Noah Fant being in the top fifteen. Is it top ten? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, I mean, I mean that's we'll, at seven hundred like yard that. range, right? It, like seven hundred yards. That puts him right up there. That puts him like ten, maybe. That's it. That's exactly it. If he has 700 yards, according to last year, he would have been just above Rob Gronkowski, which is crazy. Yeah, but how many games did Rob Gronkowski play? Exactly. He would have been just outside of the top five. He would have been the sixth leading receiver at 700 yards. And realistically, that's that's his ceiling, ceiling, ceiling. Yeah. When, uh, When we talked about it right after he was drafted, I thought, boy, if he could get 
60 catches for 600 yards. That would be insane. I think the re- the reception number needs to come down maybe a little bit, maybe 50 for 600. It would for 650, that would be phenomenal year. And when you look at it, it would be a phenomenal year. That would put him as the eighth leading receiver when we're looking at, at just last year's stats. David Njoku last year, 56 catches, 639 yards. Austin Hooper 660 recept, or receiving yards, 71 catches. And you're probably saying, who, who, these guys aren't sexy names. What yeah, do you no, mean? These... We just spent a first-round pick on Noah Fant. He should be blowing these guys out of the water. These weren't names I was expecting you to be reading off. And no. I think that part of the reason must be it's the guys who stayed healthy. Right. And so, I mean, what's, what's 800 yards? 800 yards is 50 a game? Yep. I mean that's that's tough to do for a tight end, but right. you know you bring that bring that down to forty a game, and all of a sudden you're looking at six hundred yards. But that means you play every game, and for tight ends when you're getting when you're blocking every play, except for the ones where you're running across the middle of the field trying to catch passes. I mean those are the two two very dangerous things to be doing on right. the football field. Right. So you're saying, well, what's a thousand yard tight end look like? George Kittle, of course. Travis Kelsey. How many how many yards did George Kittle have? Thirteen seventy seven. Okay, so I was gonna say he wasn't a thousand yard tight end. He just the Broncos just like handed it to him on a silver platter by giving him over two hundred and one half. Yep, uh, he still would have had it. He still would have had he it. Still would have had it. Travis Kelsey, the other one who also did some work against the Broncos. Yeah, no, he's he's a pretty good tight end. And Zach Ertz. I mean that uh, that yep. that's what you're looking at. The yep. the elite. If I were to ask you. And of course, Rob Gronkowski, if healthy, it can can easily get a thousand yards. Which I don't know, he may get this year. We'll see. I know he's retired, but <laughs> we'll, <laughs> I was wondering about that. We'll yeah. see. <laughs> but so that those are the type of names. So Noah Fant, in uh, a few years, should be in that conversation. You don't draft tight ends in the first round to have them be top ten. No, you dra- you use a first round pick to get first round production. And first round production is flirting with a thousand yards. But like you said, it's his rookie year. Yeah, and I think his rookie year is going to be interesting because, to me, he's a boomer bust rookie. Mm. Not not in career terms, not in that we'll see right. him play and then know what he is for forever, but what's what have we been hearing about him? He's a freak athlete, but he still needs to figure out how to play the position. What was the Fangio quote? It was something like that, right? Yep. Yeah, and so if, if he isn't going to be able to run routes and get in and out of breaks quickly, find space, pick apart the zones, all that kind of stuff, then his job is just to run up the seam. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of yards for tight ends who are good running up the seam. And that's mostly what he's going to be this year. Especially when your quarterback is Joe Flacco. Especially when your quarterback is Joe Flacco. So I think that having that role for him, he's either going to be able to take advantage of that, he's going to get open down the seam and catch a 20-yard ball almost every game, and that'll pad his numbers. Or if he can't get open, he might struggle. I mean, I expect him to struggle getting open underneath because that's just not who he is yet. And that's what I mean when I say he's a boomer bust guy this year. Right. Yeah, and I that's how I feel about Jake Butt, too. I think it's boomer bust. And whether the, the bust is on the bench or on IR because he's injured again or the Broncos just wanted, wanted him to have another year. Or it's, you know, he gets hurt week two, and then so so he's put on IR. And I think the booms kind of what we talked about is 400 yards, which, again, doesn't sound sexy, but that's what Hunter Henry did, and, and that was a huge boom for him. And I, I, I can see that with Noah Fant as well. 
I mean, if he picks everything up, there is zero reason. We should not be playing this game. If Noah Fant picks the offense up, Joe Flacco is comfortable with him, and Rich Gangarello is comfortable with him, don't play the the song and dance with me about this. Like like they're doing with Drew Locke, you know, entering training camp, competing <laughs> yep. for the two yep. spot. Don't do that. Have Noah Fant be the number one tight end. And I don't care if he's playing 40% of the snaps. If 39 are those, if well, 100% of those are all passes, that's okay with me. Even though you're tipping the, the, your hat a little too much, you're saying, yeah, we're going to pass the ball, but you know what? You can't stop this because this Noah Fant guy is so good. Uh, I don't need him to be a blocker this year. No. I, I don't. They have, they have Jeff Hyman for that. That's why the Broncos brought him back. Exactly. So that if they got a guy like Noah Fant in the draft, they could let the rookie, who is kind of a one-trick pony at this point, point, do what he's good at and then have Jeff Hireman come off the bench to cover for him whenever he needs to cover for him. Exactly. So I think the boom for Noah Fant this year, Julius Thomas. What? Wait, 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 wait. Like, 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 It sounds crazy, doesn't it? Oh, yes, it does. That sounds crazy. (laughs) Julius Thomas... Of course, may- okay. maybe Jake Butt is Julius Thomas. Maybe that's how we should be looking at him because Julius Thomas, extremely similar start of his career where he missed nearly the his full first two seasons. He okay. played in nine games, only had one start those first two years. Okay. His next year, now, of course, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Joe Flacco loves tight ends. I'm not saying <laughs> I don't I don't think like are you trying to say that Joe Flacco has a Peyton Manning like ability to find his tight ends? <sighs> uh, no, but okay. That first year that Julius Thomas 2013, of course, when Peyton was putting up the crazy stats. Yeah. When he started 14 games, his first full season, and I'm not comparing Noah Fant to this year. But I'll get to what I'm comparing to him. He had 788 yards, insane. 65 catches, 12 touchdowns. That I don't think is is realistic for Noah Fant. But he, Julius was of course a Pro Bowler that year. The next year, 10 starts, and and I'm going off if these were the numbers that Noah Fant put up for an entire year. Yeah, he had 43 catches, 489 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Twelve touchdowns is huge. I I'm not projecting that's not going to happen. I'm not projecting that. I think if you get just over half of that, if you get seven, if you get eight, you are ecstatic. If you get six, you're happy. You're happy with that. But what's crazy about and he was a Pro Bowler that year. What's crazy about <laughs> forty three catches, four hundred and eighty nine yards, and seven touchdowns? I think I think it helps him that he did that in what ten games. Yep. So. So he had like the the rate stats had to be off the charts, right? It's just those total stats that aren't looking so good. I mean, right They're, on he's right on pace for the exact season he had the year before. Yeah, about eight hundred yards. Yeah, and that comes back to for tight ends so often injured. You just need to be on the field to put up those stats, right? And and Jeff Hireman has actually done a pretty decent job of that, hasn't he? I mean, he's missed some time. He's definitely missed some time, but. Nothing, nothing major that I remember. Maybe his rookie season did he did he get hurt? He he played in twelve games. His well, I guess not technically his rookie season, but his first season. Yeah. after tearing the ACL. Yeah, twelve games, two starts. Okay, the consistency with Jeff Hireman is is off the freaking charts. That first year, one 
141 receiving yards. The second year, 142 wow. receiving yards. The third wow. year, what does he do? He just adds those two together. 281 receiving yards last that's year. That's a that's a breakout season right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for real. And he and he's still what half of the potential projections we're talking about for Noah Fant. True. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just so tough to to. You have to see Noah Fant on the field because you know he's fast and he can rip the seam, but I mean, not even can he run the underneath routes and that kind of stuff, but does he get open in the end zone? Like, is he a red zone threat? We really don't know yet. We don't even know if he's good at running up the seam. That's what's so tough with all of this is that we really don't have much to base this off of. In college, he was good in the red zone, and that's what the yeah. Broncos drafted <laughs> for. What, every third catch was a touchdown ah, or something? It's incredible. Something incredible. May- Maybe he is putting up Julius Thomas touchdown numbers. Maybe he is. I mean, a, a lot of that is going to depend on the other threats. So, I mean, you have Cortland Sutton, who should just be a monster. Right. But who who knows? He's a young guy. If the offensive line improves, then maybe they're running the ball down there. Emmanuel Sanders is Emmanuel Sanders, and he's like, is he is he their best offensive player? If healthy. I, th- I think he has to be, right? Well, like, like Phil's in the conversation. What are we talk? Are we talking about biggest threat? Uh, I don't. Know. I'm. I'm thinking just best overall. I think, let's let's call it Madden Madden ratings. Mm. Who are you giving the best Madden rating to? Not necessarily most impactful, but so best at their job. So we're saying healthy too. Healthy. Yep. Let's go healthy. Emmanuel. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. And so and so to discount him is and you just can't do it. Right. So it'll it'll be interesting to see where those red zone targets go. Yeah, it and they could certainly get spread all around the field, especially with a veteran quarterback, not just singling out one guy. Like, like you could have very easily if Drew Locke comes in. He says, yeah. oh, I'm throwing to the 6'5 Cortland Sutton every single time because worst case it goes over his head out of the end zone. Joe will uh, distribute these. But isn't it crazy to think that Julius Thomas's second best year, statistically, Noah Fant could live up to? He could. He could. It, it, he just wouldn't pass the eye test the same way because it it would have to come in at least like fourteen games instead of in the ten games. So the last, when you think back and you say who was the last good tight end the Broncos had, what do you what do you reference? Do you go all the way back to Julius Thomas because? A lot of people go back to Owen Daniels. That's that's the name that came to my mind. Uh, and I just roll my eyes, and I just uh, sigh, and I'm like, oh, my he, gosh. And really, I, I'm not saying those people are wrong. I just, to me, it's like, oh, my gosh. That's how bad the tight end play has been here recently, <laughs> is when you're looking at a guy who put up 16 starts, 500 yards, 46 catches, and three touchdowns. We're saying... We're saying if Jake Butt does that this year, good. Yeah. Well, we're we're saying very good. We're not saying great. We're not saying the best ever. We're saying good. But you know that's also a rookie doing that this this season, which which is different than you know that was Owen Daniels last year in the NFL. I so this team so desperately needs Owen Daniels washed out of their mouth. They they need Julius <laughs> Thomas, except for 2013, erased from their minds. We, we need to be pointing to a dominant tight end, especially when you invest $4 million in Jeff Fireman. Not, not a crazy amount. Uh, if you invest a third year into Jake Butt, then it's not as much a fifth-round pick where you haven't spent any money on him. It's 
it's a roster spot for three years and and it's you know now two million dollars and that's a little more of an investment and especially the first round pick in Noah fan in not this year but next year we need to be talking about some juice some real juice yeah I think I think the thing about Owen Daniels is that they they didn't give him the same job they gave Julius Thomas right and, and that's in part because he wasn't capable of doing the same job like Julius Thomas was more of that Noah Fant get down the field get big yards and he was also just so physically gifted that he could do everything else too and that's what made him a monster tight end Owen Daniels wasn't a guy who was just going to break the top off the defense his job was to run to the first down marker and then figure out where the defense was going to be and go somewhere else right at the first down marker right and and he was pretty good at doing that and Peyton Manning is a guy who can take advantage of that but yeah, that's that's not flashy. That's not flashy at all. I think that's a guy. I I I think that that might be a good mold for Jake Butt to fit. Jake Butt's a better athlete, and so he could add a little bit more to his game than that. But if he really does have those football senses, then I think that's where it starts for him. Whereas Noah Fant is working from running all the way down the field and kind of working from the top of the defense back as he develops. Jake Butt is starting five yards out from the line of scrimmage, and then he's going to learn 10 yards and then get all those in and out breaking routes deep and then running up the seam. And I think that those are that's, that's a good young duo to pair together if, if Jake Butt is healthy and doesn't play like a fifth rounder. Right, and I see that Owen Daniels type of player, not stats, of course, being Troy Fumagalli. And that's what we saw this offseason in the one to two OTA practices where he broke out was him really manipulating the middle of the field. And uh, Joe Flacco throwing it to him, not with Troy Fumagalli making crazy contested catches, but him wide open in the field. And maybe it was, you know, just happened to be a coincidence of four plays. The middle of the defense broke down. Maybe it was there was an option route on that play. Troy Fumagalli read it right, and then Joe Flacco found him on the first one. Joe, Joe goes, okay, on the second one, I'm, I'm going to see if I can trust him again. Boom, he's there again. It, and Troy Fumagalli just keeps making these right reads, and he did it in the red zone, which obviously is, is extremely impressive and where the most confidence is going to be built from Joe Flacco. So I see, I see that role. Jake Butt, Jake Butt is... This year, if you get something from him, I think he's a receiver in, in in a tight end role. Noah Fant is a tight end body that's a receiver. And the the difference between the two is I view Jake as like pretty much pure receiver. I view Noah Fant as can block, and, and it's not that Jake can't block. I just think he's going to be slimmer this year with, with everything he's gone through and the conditioning he's had to go through. Noah Fant, when you see him, you're like, oh, that is a big boy. And you watch him run, and you're like, whoa. Is he with the wide receivers right now? Or is he with the tight ends right now? He he has – there's a reason he was a first-round pick, right? Yeah. And why he yeah, went to, sure. uh, to tight end you is because he has the physical skills. Uh, and Jeff Hireman is, is Jeff. I mean, he's a 140-yard receiver. He's Jeff. Th- th- this year. He's – you know what you hope with Jeff? What do you hope? You hope he's the fourth tight end this year. Yeah. Yeah, I think you do. Because, I mean, with Jeff Hireman, I'm not worried about him coming in and not looking like himself. Right. Jeff Hireman has been who Jeff Hireman has been. Mm-hmm. And he will continue to be the exact same person. <laughs> and so if there are guys ahead of him on the depth chart, that's because they took big steps. I think that one of the interesting 
parts of having Noah Fant and Jake Butt is that you can really you have options on offense and where you line them up and you can take advantage of mismatches. You can split them out wide and you can unpack the box. You can like manipulate the defense before the snap with those two so that they never really know what's coming. And you're hoping that Rich Gangarello can take advantage of that, that he's the, I mean, we've been led to believe that he is the type of offensive coordinator right. who understands how to take advantage of those mismatches and can, can, can continuously put them into good positions. I think that that's another aspect of having the two of them that could be really interesting because you line Phil up in the backfield, then all of a sudden you you run out there and have two tight ends in the huddle. They're thinking, oh, wow, they're going to be running. Right. You split out two wide receivers left, two wide receivers right with those two in the slot. It just it just keeps the defense mm-hmm. off guard. Mm-hmm. It's a really good point about – Let's say Jake Butt does develop. Troy Fumagalli develops into a, a decent number two receiver tight end. Man, what that does, then you can have two receivers on two tight ends on the field, and it's a dangerous receiving formation that you have out there. And the defense is going to have to, at least initially, put bigger guys in. And then Noah Fant's just going to buzz right by him with his 4-5 speed. And then let's say Noah Fant is an average blocker this year, which – probably his ceiling is to be an average blocker he's at least willing and you put Jeff Hireman out there then if the team adjusts and says okay we're keeping our our safety our smaller safeties in in order to defend these guys then you can run the ball on him you can it it opens so many options it does if two of these four guys can develop really if two of the three really develop then everything's open yep yeah, I totally agree. And going back to what you were saying about Troy Fumagalli being a guy who can get open in the middle of the defense, it's it's been, honestly, years that I've been watching football games, watching Broncos football games, seeing opponents get guys running free across the middle of the field, Yep, just wide open, like 15 yards deep, just running an in route with nobody there. And the Broncos have had a good defense, too. That's just how football works. Those guys get open every once in a while offensively it just doesn't happen for some reason they haven't been able to get guys open in the middle of the field or really outside either they just haven't been able to get receivers open and I don't understand why it's so hard for the Broncos when it doesn't seem to be for any other team it just seems like every other team has a cheat code that 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 the Broncos don't have and that's why I agree if Rich this is on Rich Scangarello for Noah Fant to have a big year if he's not ready to block don't put him in positions where he has to block. Don't say you're only getting on the field if you can block. We're only going to put you in a normal tight end position. We're only going to split you three yards out from the line. Put him everywhere. Line him up as, as a fullback. Line him up as a running back. Line him up uh, as an outside receiver on each side, as a slot guy. Line him up as a traditional tight end. Of, of course, put him everywhere. Let him be in a position to succeed as he builds the rest of his game. There's a reason that another tight end was picked in front of him. It's because he still he he was the uh, raw potential guy. So he still has more to learn. Don't keep him on the bench while while he learns. Uh, and and Henry, really quick, interesting note here. Speaking of Owen Daniels and being able to compare Peyton Manning and Joe Flacco, he's the perfect case because, of course, uh, a Houston Texan through and through. He spent 2014 with Baltimore, 2015. With Denver, both in the Kubiak offense. 
Oh, perfect. One with Joe Flacco. Perfect. One with Peyton Manning back-to-back years. And how about this? The year he was with Joe Flacco, 527 receiving yards, four touchdowns, 48 receptions. Okay. Two receptions less the following year with Peyton. 10 receiving yards less and one touchdown less. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Joe's so much better if I'm because of those numbers, but crazy the similarities. And he did that in one fewer game in Baltimore. Yeah, and I mean, th- there's a reason people say that Joe Flacco likes his tight ends. It's true. But can can you who who are the Ravens receivers that year? Oh, was I mean, was who were the was Ravens Michael Crabtree there? Exactly. Probably. Yeah, and and then the next year he's he's competing with like Demarius Thomas. He's competing with Emmanuel Sanders. W- was Wes Welker still around then? In 2015, no, he no. wasn't there for the Super 20, Bowl. Uh, yeah. Okay, but. Like they, the Broncos just had a couple more options at that point. Yeah, than some, the Ravens some, did. Some pretty, some pretty good options. Uh, you actually had Steve Smith still there. Okay, he went, he went yeah. for a thousand yards. That surprises me. That does. Surprise you had Tory Smith. You had the the Smith duo, <sighs> uh, and then Owen Daniels was their third leading receiver that okay. year. So there, there was no third option there. But and and just very interesting to see. Really, I mean. Maybe that's the one area Joe Flacco does stack up with. Yeah, with, with Peyton Manning, and that's a good one. That's one that it, it looks like the Broncos can take advantage of because Noah Fant should be should be a mismatch. So are they stacked? No, <laughs> no, they aren't. They aren't stacked. They they have potential to have, to be good. Uh, Noah Fant has potential to be elite. I uh, I think it's a stretch to say that Troy Fumagalli or Jake Butt will be in that like. I mean, I mean, what are you hoping? You're hoping that one of those two becomes a top 32 tight end, and then all of a sudden you have two starting caliber tight ends. Right. And I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. There's a chance, but I, I have my doubts. I think the Broncos absolutely have the potential to be stacked next year. Are you willing to say that they will be? For 2020, no. No. They, they better be, though. They, yeah. they better be stacked because if you have a – look, the San Francisco 49ers are stacked. I don't know who their second tight end is on the team. The Philadelphia Eagles are stacked with Zach Ertz. Okay. I don't know which of their second, third, and fourth string guys are still on that roster. The Kansas City Chiefs are stacked with, with Travis Kelsey. Noah Fant, his second year, better be stacked. Better he be better stacked be. He better him, be. himself. But this year, no. When you when you come when you come in and your leading tight end receiver has his best season is two hundred and eighty one yards, and then outside of that, the other three guys have a combined eight catches for eighty five yards. Henry, you, you gave the right answer. It's it's, it's terrible. It's, it's no, no, it's no. no. They're they're not stacked this year. The ceiling is higher than it's been since Julius Thomas, or as high as it's been since Julius Thomas. I think that's fair. The I really think the that's fair. The ceiling. Now, just saying straight up, are they, are they stacked? You're you're crazy. Yeah. If you're going to say that, what, 600 receive, career receiving yards for these four guys is stacked? No. When, what, 15, 14 guys had more than that last year? No. So I, I completely, completely agree with you. Well, I think we talked about tight ends more than anyone else could <laughs> on this Monday. I think we so. did. I don't think we're going to have to talk about tight ends for a couple <laughs> more months. At least for this week. 
it, it, yeah, it's yeah, I'm the, good with just for this week. <laughs> uh, and so after this break, we want to hear from you guys. Get to your questions. Get to your comments. Uh, and so we'll do that after this break. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect, just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Welcome back into the BSM Broncos podcast. Zach and Henry rolling with you today. And a quick programming note, mentioned it earlier, uh, but we will be doing our Friday pod a little earlier in the week, so make sure you get those questions. Maybe you have a great topic for a first segment. Get those in because this week, next week, and the week after, really this week and next week, we, we can talk about whatever you guys want, if you have any burning questions out there. Uh, and then it's training camp back to football it back back to football <laughs> if if uh if tight end talk wasn't uh so intriguing for you guys so make sure you get those questions in uh we'll be we'll be happy to hear from you guys on this uh dead period for football but we're still rolling with you five days a week so first one coming in from colvo he says hey guys first r.i.p mr beep second honey on the five cheese pizza hot pocket is delicious i'll have to pass that on to rk fourth BSN Madden tourney. Henry, I hear you're uh, pretty good at Madden. Yeah, Madden's my game. <laughs> I, I'm totally down for BSN Madden tourney. Who do you who do you go with? What um, team? I don't. I, I like to think that my best ability is my adaptability. No. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so really, have you like, used that in some job interviews. Um. Well, I mean, I got this job. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> yeah, and now I'm on podcasts and on <laughs> Photoshop and doing all these weird things that I've never done before. Adaptability. Adaptability. But um. Yeah, yeah, I'm d I'm down to play Madden whenever. I I think my favorite part is playing with different teams though, mm. because you get to know like with the Broncos, you run under center, like it's all about the play action. Like you right. play it like real life. Right. Just let the defense win you games. So are you dying right now? Where so much has changed with this Broncos team, and you're still stuck with last year's team? Uh, I mean, I haven't had a chance to play too much recently since I got back, but e yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I really want to get back into it. Yeah, I give me a mobile quarterback. Mm. I mean, that's why mm -hmm. Broncos have just killed me the past yeah, few like years. Yeah, spread offense. Yep. Just look to run up the middle first. Yeah, and don't give me like Lamar Jackson because I've got to be able to th to yeah. throw the ball. You, Man, speaking of which, out there in Baltimore, there's some serious serious problems. I think Lamar Jackson hadn't opened the new playbook. He didn't know the team had a new playbook when the offseason started. Yeah, that's a bad look. That's a bad look for sure. <laughs> you got you got to at least open the playbook. Yeah, and the, and you have you just like oh Joe Flacco, at least he's a guy that's going to know what's going on. So, boy, that that'll be very interesting to follow. Kind of it's not a subplot for the Broncos, but it's interesting to follow. It is interesting because I mean Joe Flacco just got forced out of there. Yep. 
And I mean, if we're being totally honest, there's a good chance he gets forced out of Denver, even if he's playing well. Maybe maybe that's next season mm-hmm. when they want to get Drew Locke in. Mm-hmm. So at, least, at least he'll get forced out of Denver by a guy that can throw the football. What what do if you're hoping that Joe Flacco's the guy in Denver, are you hoping that Lamar Jackson is good or that he doesn't play well? Uh, I think you're hoping he doesn't play well. And and then you just say that the the Ravens are incompetent, they just made the wrong exactly, decision. Exactly. Exactly. How about this? What if what if Joe Flacco plays well this year? The, the Broncos have a Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith here where the Broncos make the playoffs and get bounced in the first round. But boy, did they love what they saw from Drew Locke this offseason. And he was so good in the meeting rooms. And you did, he, he's the guy. You have, to, you have to move forward. And let's say the Ravens realize, oh, my gosh, what did we do? This Lamar Jackson guy is terrible. But they don't have a top five pick. They can't get a top quarterback. What if you trade him back? Ooh, to the Ravens. I, I, there's no <laughs> way that the Ravens would actually try to take him back. Would that be crazy? That would be crazy. That would be crazy. What if Harbaugh just says, look, that was Ozzy's decision. Ozzy's gone now. Joe, I want you back, man. You, you can't do it. <laughs> there's no way Joe Flacco goes back in there happy. And then it's just it's the best feel-good story when he goes out and he's the quarterback for the next eight years. <laughs> okay okay see that's even more of a stretch because then what he's like 44 right sure <laughs> <laughs> okay uh yeah i don't know i i doubt it that'd be something that'd be something else he says cole, cole continues and says fifth obviously you guys write a lot do you ever get writer's block when i write i only ever get stuck if i'm writing creatively however if i'm writing a report i generally don't have as much trouble from what i've seen your style lies somewhere in between informative and creative so is writer's block ever a plop problem for you guys? How do you overcome it usually? Thanks for all the great content, Cole. That's an interesting one because uh, I don't I don't get as much writer's block anymore because most of the writing I do is based on things that other people have told me. And so, like, if I'm writing a story, then I, I know, like, he says this happened, he says this happened, and you kind of, like, patch it all together. And for those, like, long features that are right. my favorite thing to write, right. it all just kind of is handed to you, and then you just figure out how to put it together. It isn't like, like I don't know, a songwriter who needs an idea or something like that. In the off-season, though, it's tough. Right. Because you just have a list of quotes, and you try to put them together in a way, find a theme, figure out what really is behind what everybody's saying, and that's when it can get tough. Or... This time of year when there aren't even any quotes, mm-hmm. it's just you saying, here's what I think. Listen to me. And that's the kind of stuff that I don't like as much. Right, right. And I, I would say with the Broncos season, the way it breaks down actually kind of helps with writer's block because I'm not writing the same pieces for 52 straight weeks. Like right now, I get to be a little creative in, in, in how I structure things. And I get to choose, is this going to give me writer's block? If so, I probably don't want to write it because – probably isn't that interesting to you guys to read uh so i get to be a little creative fun which then is easier to write during the season like you said i you could write with broncos you could write 15 different quote pieces a day you can find features stories many times a week if you wanted to so really the content and i'm so thankful to be on the broncos because the the content is off the chains in terms of what what we can write and what we can work with it's 
it's crazy how different it is than just every other professional sport in Denver. Yeah. No, it's totally different. But it's also competitive, though, because people have written a lot of the stories that you want to write. Yep. You're all at the same press conferences. Yep. And so that makes it tough. I think uh, uh, my best advice to not get writer's block or to get through writer's block is to not think that you have to start at the top of the story. As soon as you right. think of a way you want to explain like one section, just get that out there. And as soon as the page isn't blank, it gets a lot easier. And then even if even like if when you have to move on to something that you aren't quite sure how you want to go about it, just get something on the page so that you can go back and revise it. Right. Because if you just go back like write, revise, write, revise, just like all your professors tell you, it, it really does work. And you just keep tightening things. And then eventually you figure out how you want to say things. But just getting something on the paper, even if that's your ending or just somewhere in the middle, it'll, it'll get you through it. And the best way for me to do that is whenever it pops in my head. Yes. I'm, I'm in the shower a yeah. lot of times yep. and, I, and I just keep saying it over and over <laughs> until I'm out, throw it in my phone. It's, it's not... Think about it when you're not just looking at the computer because that's when I blank a lot is when I'm like, okay, sit down for this. Oh, no, what? But now I've gone where I just put so many notes in my phone where I just copy-paste the notes. I'm like, oh, look at this. Yeah, that's the other thing is that as soon as you have the idea, you have to write it down and you can't just expect yourself to remember. Right. I've lost so many ideas that I thought were so great because I just didn't write them down. Yep, exactly. Next one coming in from 3-4-B says... BSN has Henry is visiting all week, or I think as Ryan deemed it, HIV maybe? <laughs> HIV, that's, that's what we're shooting for. He said, congrats, Henry. You've made it big time. Do you have a place to live yet? If you do, you should invite over Zach to watch some stand-up comedy. Yeah, are you a big stand-up comedy guy? Um, I, I go through phases, just okay. like anything else. Like There'll be the Madden phase, there'll right. be the stand-up phase, the movie right. phase, then I'll find like, a TV <laughs> show. I try to go through more reading phases, but sometimes mm. those just don't happen. It's probably don't last as long, right? But but yeah, Zach needs to be watching some stand-up comedy. <laughs> it just blows my mind that he hasn't even tried it, really. Maybe when I, again... Maybe you can suggest like that not not just a guy or a girl, but watch this clip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely do that because um, I got I got to start from the top. Yeah. I think th I think that when Ryan brought up Bo Burnham, mm -hmm. that's that's when my mom was like, oh yeah, that's okay. the one. Okay. That's Zach's guy. Okay. That's what's gonna get him okay. going. Okay. I like that. And I like that. For the for the first question, I I do have a place to live. Mm. I'm not living on <laughs> Ryan's couch. <laughs> And then air mattress once he felt bad for me for putting me on the couch for a week. <laughs> but <laughs> I have I have my own place and look at that it's big awesome. time. Yeah, I'm gonna go buy a bed from IKEA at some point. So I stopped. Still don't have on a bed? Couch. It's I mean I I don't have a huge car, <laughs> and so like me and my new roommate we got we got a couch and it took us three trips to IKEA and back and we're 20 no minutes from IKEA. Way. It was terrible. Well, we get in there, we like look at the box and like oh yeah easy we can fit these three boxes in there. Get out to the car and like one fills up the entire trunk and we still can't even like close it wow yeah terrible decision <laughs> but but then you're committed at that point because right. you have like the three boxes right there and yep. you can't just be like no we don't want this and return it yeah so we did that and at least you have a couch we do have a couch and that's made not having a bed much much easier <laughs> yeah and he follows up and says is this where we officially launch the week-long roast of Ryan. Oh, I'm in. If so, is it lasting the whole week or will it just be a single pod later in the week featuring Andre and Brandon? Well, like I said, oh, Andre's out of yeah. town too. Andre's I mean, in Italy. This this is the time to uh boy, I don't know, Ryan said he'll be listening. Yeah, I I, I don't oh, buy we can it. put that I on, don't on the it. test right maybe, now. Yeah, maybe we should put it on the <laughs> test. Say like Ryan, if you're listening, 
tweet at tweet at us later and say that you heard this. I would say if he was listening, he's probably not listening anymore. I see. That's what I was thinking too. Like, <laughs> who can listen to forty minutes of tight end talk? <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I think they loved it. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Yeah. Why don't you guys uh, include that in uh, in your long post? And speaking of long posts. Camster coming in with one. He says, hey, guys, a couple thoughts and or comments. And somehow I seem to have more thoughts on the non-football stuff as the offseason typically does. I guess since your answer most or I guess since your, you answer most of my football questions before I think of them. Anyways, one pepperoni hot pocket is the best way to go. None of them are great, but that's the, but that one isn't bad, especially if you like pizza, kind of like a red baron French bread pizza folded into itself. Do you agree? Um, I don't know. I, 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 I have a weird relationship with hot pockets because, like, <laughs> like Ryan said, he hasn't really had them since college. Right. But now he's like four or five years removed from college. Right. He's old. See, like, I just recently grew out of hot pockets, <laughs> and so now when I think of them, I'm like, oh, dude, don't do this to yourself again. Like, come, come on, right, right. you know better than to actually keep eating these. <laughs> and so I'm kind of anti hot pocket. I'm. I don't know. If I were to pick one though, I'd say I'd say the ham and cheese. That ham and cheese seems is like my the favorite. classic. When I think of it, yeah. that's what I think of. I mean, you've had like a hot ham and cheese sandwich before, right? Where like the cheese just gets like al- almost like liquidy, melted uh, on top of it. I've had a nice panini. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like that, but just worse. <laughs> <laughs> You're really convincing me to to go through with this taste. I mean, you have to have it though. Like it's. It's just not negotiable. It's like you've had like apple pie before. Of course. Yeah, you just have to do it. (laughs) It's just like a thing. Are are we equating apple pie and hot pockets? Uh, In terms of like America now, (laughs) yeah. Like I guess in terms of America now, yeah. Yeah, it's like McDonald's too. Like nobody thinks, oh yeah, I gotta go get some McDonald's. That sounds really good right now. But (laughs) to say you've never had McDonald's is just crazy. Yeah, that. I agree. That would be crazy. <laughs> hot, po- hot pockets are right up there. It's not quite the same, but. So I got to get your take on this next one. He says, I got one pedicure in my life. I went with my wife for Mother's Day last year. It was actually kind of fun, but I felt terrible for the sweet lady scrubbing away at my feet. She didn't speak much English, but at one point I heard her say, long time pedicure. <laughs> I want to say, yeah, about 35 years, but refrained. Advice. Results are great, but temporary. My feet were silky smooth for a few weeks before reverting back to, well, we'll let we'll I'll save you the description and just say, how were they before mm. Big Al feet? Mm. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure about that. I mean, so have you ever got a pedicure? No, I've never had a pedicure. <laughs> it's not like I have this some masculinity thing of, against it. Mm-hmm. It's just when I read something like, my feet were silky smooth for a few weeks. <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't appeal to me. Like th- three weeks of smooth feet. Like does that does that matter? I think my feet are just silky smooth right now. I don't. So <laughs> that's gonna be the result. Do I, I just, need it? Like like what do you gain from having silky smooth feet? I I don't get it. Like do you are these people like touching their feet? Like hmm, that's is good. it you just like look down? You're like there's a little shine to them. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I it's don't. It's I don't a good get it. it's a good question. Then wouldn't it prevent you from uh, being able to walk out? To your lawn to pick up the uh, uh, the newspaper yeah. because they're they're too smooth. Yeah, and I mean it's like I don't know. When, whenever I get a haircut and it's like a good haircut, the, the like hair on your neck starts to grow out a little bit, or like the yeah. sideburns grow out. Yeah, I'm always like, oh, I want to like fix this just right. to like, keep it nice and tight. Yeah. So you but think you think if you get one pedicure, 
you're going back every week. Uh, see, yeah, like there's <laughs> that, but like at the same time, like there's that upkeep to it. And yeah. I'm not sure when I have to go outside and grab a newspaper <laughs> that I won't be thinking like, oh no, is uh, this going to be all right for my feet? Right. I, be- I better put on some like sandals or something. Right. Yeah. I'm all right just having bad mm. feet. Nobody even looks at my feet. That's that's also true. I, I've been living with this roommate for like a week and a half, two weeks now. I bet he hasn't seen my my feet. <laughs> so you're a socks inside guy. Honestly, like I'm a I'm a shoes inside guy. Ooh, I know. I gotta I, know. Le- I gotta let him breathe. Oh <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just I just don't understand the appeal. He says skip three for Mr. V B and finally four. <laughs> we get to some football. He says, what have you heard about Juwan Winfrey so far this offseason? Is his roster spot pretty close to guaranteed, or does he have some work to do in camp to make the roster? Well, I'll tell you what I've seen from him. Uh, he's flashed. He, he's flashed major potential, and that's what he was drafted on. He's a guy that was injured so much, so he didn't put up the big stats in college. But, boy, he's big. I mean, 6'3", 215, just, I mean, DT was 6'3", 225. So when you look at him, you're like, he is a big boy, and he's shown off a few great plays with his hands, made a few one-handed catches, so he's definitely flashed. Henry, is his roster spot close to being guaranteed? That's tough. That's tough for all seventh-round picks. Um, it really depends on the team. They're Not just their depth at receiver, but their depth through 53 men. Um, and for a team like the Broncos, I think that there are so many guys with potential. I mean, do the Broncos need four tight ends? Eh, probably not. If you think Noah Fant's the guy and you trust Jeff Hireman, right. then you could get away with three. But with a guy like Troy Fumagalli possibly being the odd man out, they might want to keep four there. And so I think that there's going to be a lot of competition for the bottom spots across the roster. Um, I don't think Juwan Winfrey's spot's guaranteed, especially because for him, he doesn't have the college production to fall back on. Right, and guaranteed is a very strong word. Emmanuel, Cortland, Deshaun, round out your top three. Tim Patrick, probably in that number four spot. Feel pretty comfortable about that. Then it is it is open. You have Juwan Winfrey. River Brent, Craycraft. River Craycraft. Oh. Brendan Langley. Oh, I forgot about Also him. thrown in there. However... I'm close to saying that that he's guaranteed to. I, th- for, I think for this. I'd say he's the favorite. And the reason camp. the reason is how much the Broncos reached to get you on Winfrey. Mm-hmm. I mean, they probably could have got him as an undrafted guy. Probably they could have waited, got him later in the draft, but they they traded up to pick him. And so you add that. Brendan Langley doesn't jump off the page to me and say. You, you you can't cut him because you have to keep uh be, be, because you have to keep Juwan. You can't do that. You can't convince me that River Craycraft's gonna you, you just you, those guys don't convince you no that that he's not guaranteed. So yeah, I'm pretty darn close to saying guaranteed. Yeah, I'm not ready to say guaranteed, but I'm I'm confident that he'll make the roster. Um the other thing is like you've been out there at practice actually watching him. I haven't. I've been in the office right. doing other stuff, but doing everything, doing the <laughs> everything, all sorts of things. Uh, make sure you stay tuned outside of this podcast oh, for yeah. BSN this week, as Henry is doing something else. I will be doing something else. <laughs> My first time ever in front of the camera, so mm. we'll see how that goes. You, I, uh, you look the role today. Uh, thank you. I'm wearing a I'm wearing a button down. <laughs> it's it's a little wrinkled, but it's gonna do the trick. But yeah, but for me, like Jawan Winfrey, I've been watching some college tape. Uh, mm. And I've, I haven't seen too much. 
I think it was against Colorado State, first game of the season of last course, year. Of course, There's it was against the- <laughs> It always <laughs> is. Every Buffs highlights against Colorado State. But uh, from, I mean, it wasn't like a deep ball. It was like seven, ten yards out. He just catches this beautiful back shoulder fade the side of the end zone. And the way he just moves his body and grabs the ball and touches his feet he, he just looks like a pro. And I'm not sure why that didn't translate more. I mean, there's the injuries and stuff. But even in the times when he wasn't injured, he didn't mm-hmm. put up... I mean, I know he was a late draft pick, but he didn't even put up seventh rounder stats right. in those games. Right. And he just wasn't always there. And I'm not sure why. It's a really good point. And that's, that's something that we can't tell too much in OTAs. You can really tell that come training camp if a guy just doesn't have it mentally if he can't pick it up especially with a veteran quarterback we we should be able to know pretty darn soon it's kind of like that Cody Latimer thing mm-hmm. where you see him in practice and he's just torching everybody yeah. he's getting open he's making the no fly zone look silly mm-hmm. but then you put him on the field in the game and you just don't understand like is it the pressure that's getting to him for right. some reason things just don't work out I think that that's my fear for Juwan Winfrey is that He's similar to Cody in that he just can't produce. Right, right. And that, it's, it's interesting. It's a, it's a really good point. Uh, and why Andre had 20 wide receivers still on the board yeah. <laughs> at the time the Broncos drafted Juwan Winfrey. Yeah. Next one coming in from Kale Sorba. And boy, this is too cool. He says, hey, fellas. I'm from Colorado, but I figured I'd get the ball rolling with the GoFundMe for the BSN World Travel World Tour. He says, I think it'd be cool to send you across the pond to interact with Broncos fans across the world. I think it's basically the same as buying a beer for both of you every month. For as much content as you provide, it's worth more than that. For people who feel like they'd pay even more for a subscription, this is a good way to support the guys even more. Here's the link. Thanks for the content. Kale. First off, you are the MVP. When this happens, whether it's next year or the year after, it'll be the BSN World Tour powered by Kale Sorbo. So just, <laughs> we won't. You already are, giving him the title sponsor. Already, already giving him that spot. You are awesome for setting this up. So he throws the link in this comment section. When Ryan gets back, don't worry. We will be pumping this out every which way for you guys to get all over this uh probably put on the website also put mm-hmm. it on our socials mm-hmm. so kale thank you so much and boy that's that's a really good way to break it down and i think ryan and i broke it down where if everyone listening gives one dollar a month for the next year yep. it's it's done there we go so kale says it's like buying a beer for both of you every month no it's like buying a beer for both of us one time in the next year yeah so it's even I mean, better if if you want to switch it up a bit and say like a dollar twenty five a month, <laughs> maybe there's room for a third person to come with. Just just throw one more beer on there yeah. for the year. Yeah, for the year exactly. Or honestly, just buy me a beer and I'll. Be happy. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're easy to please here at BSN and Kale. That is awesome that you set that up. We will be pumping this out very soon. So thank you so much. That just shows you the awesome community here, especially being a Colorado guy. That's what I thought was the coolest part of all of this. Next one coming in from Eros. Eros? Yeah. Yeah. He says, an older an older subscriber that was wondering if Vic Fangio's time with the Bears provides insight into the Chiefs offense. Okay. So I don't 
really understand. I think I think I read it last night, slept on it, woke up because of Matt Nagy. Oh, being the, uh, okay. the head coach, offensive coordinator. Okay, and so the the idea is that uh, Vic Fangio's defense would be built to stop that modern Chiefs offense. Then Vic Fangio would know about Matt Nagy and know okay. all about the the Bears' offense, which was built from the Chiefs' offense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It would make sense that having seen that enough would uh would help there, but. My first thought was, huh, yeah, that does seem like the type of offense that could, or the type of defense that could cause problems for the Chiefs' offense. Just because it's the same focus on the pressure, but play the zone defense and don't let guys like Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill outrun your cornerbacks just because they're fast enough when, when it's the race from one sideline to the other is when they're, when they're running across the field. It's just like a 20 yard race instead of the technical stuff like Chris Harris sticking with a guy and staying with him in and out of breaks, his his strength isn't just like chasing a guy down. Right. And, and so I think by switching to his, that zone, instead of playing like race from one side, one side of the field to the other, I think that that actually does help yeah. against a team like the Chiefs. Yeah, and I, I think this is a great, great question that no one has really brought up this point of Vic Fangio working with Matt Nagy for an entire year, knowing as much as you can know about one offense fully entrenched. But here's here's the thing, Henry. So I think that's a great, great point. What makes the Chiefs offense so great right now? Uh, Is it Tyreek Hill? That's yeah. I think it's Tyreek Hill. You think it's because I would I mean you could also throw in Travis Kelsey. I, I mean you I can mean, throw in Patrick Mahomes. The thing about Travis Kel- Kelsey though is that he's just a tight end mismatch. And and you can have one of those who you can go back to over and over again that that's just like, in, in my mind, a separate thing than the rest of the offense. Like, you just have that one mismatch. Whereas with Tyreek Hill, he, I feel like he just moves the whole defense differently. Right. When you can get him the ball, and I know that they do move uh, Travis Kelsey around a little bit. They'll play him like H-back. They'll put, they'll put him at fullback like run those little screens across the back. But all those things that you can do with Tyreek Hill, where you throw it to him behind the line of scrimmage, and then all of a sudden the defense needs to like press up to the line of scrimmage so that they don't get exploited sitting back and giving Tyreek Hill the ball in space. All of a sudden he burns by them, and then you beat them there. And so what he does is he just sucks so many people over to his side of the field that he just creates mismatches in, a, in another way. Whereas with a good tight end, I think it's rare that they manipulate the defense all that much. It's more that they can just beat the guy that's assigned to them or in front of them, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah, and and I think that the Chiefs' offense is so good, and I'm you know, stating the obvious here. I'm not I'm not going <laughs> anything crazy, but Tyreek Hill, yeah, Travis Kelsey. I mean, what oh, Ty, oh, Ty, yeah. Ty, Tyreek Hill's oh, yeah. the the best receiver in, in the mm-hmm. league. Travis Kelsey, best second best top three tight end in the league. Patrick Mahomes last year, the best quarterback in the league. Andy Reid fourth i mean it maybe fifth uh, they have they have other weapons sammy Watkins. Yeah. so the in terms of the scheme for the chiefs yeah it's it's good andy reed's had success cont- continuous success but that is far down the list for in my opinion of why the chiefs offense is good it, it's not knowing the ins and outs of this scheme is how you stop them it's can you keep up with tyree kill can you slow down travis kelsey once you stop Patrick Mahomes once, can you stop him again just on one play? So it's the players they have that make them so I darn agree. good. And that's why, yes, Vic Fangio knowing the scheme can help, but also this scheme 
the the Chiefs' offense just schematically is so different than when it was when Matt Nagy was there because they had Alex Smith. Yeah. Now they have Patrick Mahomes. They they have Tyree Kill in his prime. Uh, so it's the scheme stuff helps a tiny bit, but it's it's the horses that they have to play there. I that, think that so, make them so good. because it's it's just a West Coast offense mixed with all the college concepts. Right. So you have the RPOs, you have the read options, and it just made so simple. They throw guys in motion so they can see what the defense is doing, and I don't think any of that is confusing the defensive coordinator. It's just guessing right which what they're going to do on any given play. Right, and. Maybe Vic Fangio now understands how they try to exploit different things, like what the go-to play calls are in different situations, but right. I think it might end there. Right, exactly. Next one coming in from Nihalo. He says, Ryan, I don't know if this is keto-friendly, but my breakfast routine is to make a smoothie every day and take it with me on my way out. Eight ounces of milk, chia seeds, flax seeds, fruit, or I think fresh fruit, whichever you enjoy, spinach and kale, peanut butter, two raw eggs, and a half scoop of protein powder. Holy cow, that is... That is action-packed. I mean, that's got to have like 100 grams of protein right there. Yeah. But Zach, are you a are you a raw eggs guy? No. Okay. Yeah, me neither. That that right there just just like a hard no from me. No, that is that's for uh, you. Got to be intense. You got to be intense to do that. I mean, we're talking tons of protein in here. Uh, and Nihalo, why we'll read it when Ryan's not here is because no. This is uh, this is not keto friendly. Rude. This this is uh, this is Zach's diet right here. I have a <laughs> I have a very very similar smoothie each day. I include the chia, the flax, the protein powder, spinach or kale, fresh fruit. I, I haven't done the peanut butter yet. Certainly not the raw eggs. But that's yeah that's my path. So if it's my path, it means it's definitely not Ryan's path. How do you find time to make a smoothie like that? How long does that take you? <sighs> Takes. Five minutes? Really? Yeah. All those different ingredients. It just yeah. seems like so much work. Uh, you, I've got it all prepared in the freezer. All of it's oh, okay. frozen. Just toss it in. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, because I know for me, like, I wake up. I realize that I woke up late. I panic. <laughs> I jump in the shower. <laughs> I sprint out of the shower, get, like, a couple pieces of bread, throw some peanut butter on one, and then, like, some jam or, like, honey <laughs> yeah. or something eat that while I like sprint to my car that's usually like parked five blocks away in Capitol Hill (laughs) and then get to the office. Like there's no time for me to like sit back and think about, Ooh, what should I put in my smoothie? (laughs) I did. Yeah. And and that's why my smoothie is pretty much the exact same every day. Yeah. You just buy bulk and, and do that. And that's actually my lunch. I do that for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. I of course do the, the yogurt parfait for breakfast, but next one coming in from, and final one, at least for right now, Coming in from Chilango Bronco says, yes, sir, the Denver-Mexico City Broncos. <laughs> that got my heart pounding. Man, we already we have already the altitude. I know I might be the only one here excited and probably get not-so-nice comments. I know I was used as an example, LOL, but I think the people of Montreal would like to get half a franchise for sure. The Tampa Bay slash Montreal <laughs> Rake spos. Rake spos. Wow. <laughs> By the way, on creating the best Bronco of all time, using body parts from from some of the best, you guys miss, missed Shannon Sharp's lips. Mm. Much love. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that addition there. Man, the Denver Mexico City Broncos. Yeah, that's I, I you can't you can't put a team in two different places. It just doesn't work like that. That's not the way sports go. 
But think about the home field advantage you could have in Mexico City. Then put a team in Mexico City. <laughs> Don't put half a team there. Not just the altitude, which is what? Over 7,000 feet? I think it's like 7,500 yeah. feet? Yeah. You could uh, You have the advantage of the away team can't like eat any drink drink any of the water there they have to have bottle it just throw them <laughs> off their game so much you have the field advantage where they're just slipping everywhere you you get uh uh cleats that have like three inch <laughs> pegs in them the other team's behind on you there <laughs> i mean any team could have that strategy you just get like a horrible field like just all mud and then say no this is what they is had. our game yep uh, see i i just don't understand why you'd put half a team somewhere just say tampa bay can't can't support a baseball team which they can't they clearly can't yeah and i don't think that they can support a half baseball team anymore like maybe maybe that like the gimmick of the whole thing will draw some attention the first year but then all of a sudden nobody really cares i think it would do and the, then they don't get the playoffs yeah exactly i think it would do the opposite i think it would just turn off any potential fan and say don't what you're half here? No, I'm I'm gonna be a Miami Marlins fan instead. Yeah, and think about those players. I, I guess in baseball, their families live with them less often, but still, like, do you just mm-hmm. put move your family around? You just like put them up in Canada for the entire year right. and say we'll we'll meet you there. Does the team almost have to give an additional living stipend? Yeah, because they are forced to have you have two, two places. different homes. Yeah, exactly. I did, that is so bizarre. I wonder. I don't know. For like the Mexico City thing, if if you have two guys who I guess I guess it would make the most impact with a guy like like a quarterback maybe. Where if you have two quarterbacks who are kind of similar level, do you send somebody down there like a week or two early and say get acclimated, get used to this? Right. That way he's all ready to take advantage. I, right. I, I yeah, a running back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like you're gonna get rested up for our home opener in Mexico City. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Yeah, Denver can't do that. The Broncos will never do that. No, Broncos would horrible. never be a split. Team. Who would be the first split? Ah, uh, Jags in London. Jags in London. Yeah, I mean they're the only team that's really having trouble supporting. Right. I mean because there was like Sandy. I mean, what about the L.A. Chargers? Mm. They aren't really drawing fans out there. What if they just do the San Diego Los Angeles Chargers split Ooh, them between? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything to make things worse for Philip Rivers, I'm into. It, hey, ha- he'd be closer to home if they uh, were in San Diego. And we're talking about moving families. Mm. Ooh. Ooh, that poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> he'd have to have like two 10,000 square foot homes. He would. He would. Oh, yeah. No, this is a terrible idea. The MLB shouldn't let this happen. The NFL definitely wouldn't. No. And, uh. Yeah. You can't, you can't let it happen. No. I'm curious to no. see where it goes. I hope it happens. Oh. I want to see it flop. Oh, gosh. How bizarre. How bizarre. How bizarre. But that, speaking of bizarre, we'll wrap it up for today. Wow. We're done. Loved having you guys roll with us today. Henry and I will be back with you tomorrow. Make sure you get us some questions. Anything you have on your mind, shoot our way. Uh, we look forward to rolling with you guys the rest of the day. Henry, it was fun. We'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah, had a blast.
guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S., So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order.
Spend 